Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. So unity in the family through agreement, not through sameness. We've, that's what we've been on. Uh, that's what we're on right now, week 20 of this series. Um, who wouldn't want that for their homes, though? Unity in their homes. We, we started this part of our unity series last week and went over Ephesians 5, 21 through 24. And it isn't by accident that the Apostle Paul begins this subject of unity in the family by talking through uh, are talking through what husband and wife relationships should look like. And um, marriage between one man, everybody say one man, and one woman with Christ in the center, okay, holding them together, that is the biblical example of the family. The biblical example. One man, one woman, I'm unapologetic about it. That is how marriage is laid out in scripture for us. End of story. And he, and he says, undergird one another. In verse 21, we went over that last week, which that word undergird is often translated to the word submit. And if you take it back to the Greek, it's the Greek word hupotasso. Say hupotasso. Got to remember that word. It's a great word. And, it, and it's, it, it, it's basically to undergird one's mission in life. And so instead of being not, instead of being or not being, do what I say, you know, submit to one another, come underneath and support one another. And I, I believe husbands and wives need to do that for one another. Come underneath and support. Hupitasso is a military term and it's undergirding the mission, right? It's undergirding one's mission in life. And so I, I just think that's very, very interesting in reference to that. Um, I talked about how husbands need to be undergirded and supported in who they are as men and supported in their mission in life as God calls them to it. And that if wives will do this for their husbands, they will be twice, their husbands will be twice the men that they would ever be without that support and submission. Um, I, I give you a great example right here, Ben Carpenter. I mean, your wife, man, makes you twice the man that you would be. Amen? I didn't hear that. Amen. He's clapping loud. He's not going to say amen. <laughs> but isn't that true for so many of us? That's so true. We talked in and around that last week, and I'm not gonna get all back into it again this week, but go back and listen to it. If, if you're here today and you missed last week's message, this is gonna seem really heavy on the husbands. And, uh, cause last week was a little heavy on the women. Um, so don't, don't get an unbalanced uh, message here today. Go back and listen. But, but there are some boundaries to wives undergirding their husbands and, and some, uh, some conditions. Ephesians 5, 24, wives understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ, the husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering and cherish, and, uh, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as a church submits to Christ as he exercised such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. And so there's this, this little caveat in there that says, yeah, hus husbands need to act as Christ acts if they expect their wives to continually submit or come underneath and undergird who they are. And this is all what we went over last week. Um, it should be said that even an unsaved husband displays love when he does and is not domineering 
If there are areas that are Christ-like in his life, any areas at all, then wives, you had better undergird those as much as possible. Because I know the situation, you know, we're talking here in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're kind of coming at it from the, the angle of, okay, Christian family, nuclear family, the way God originally intended, and how many know that there's a lot of people not in that situation even here this morning? Because of whatever reason. And again, like I said last week, I'm not here to, to make you feel hurt or make you feel like, well, that doesn't pertain to me. Because it's in the word of God. And, and one, of the, one of the things that a pastor can do is I can skirt away from messages like this because I don't want to hurt anybody's feeling who might be in an odd situation. Divorce, maybe their spouse passed away. I don't want to talk about that and bring up, you know, it's like pouring salt in the wound, right? So why would we do that? But if we don't do that, we're going to lose the biblical values that are placed in the word of God for marriages to work and function properly. And I don't want to do that. So for the sake of those who are married, those of you who might not be in that situation, maybe you're just single. Maybe God calls you to single, singleness. That's a wonderful thing, by the way. Anybody single here today? Anybody think it's a wonderful thing? Yeah. You might be smarter than all of us, right? <laughs> but I just want you to know that I, I, I understand if, you are, uh, if you're not in this exact Thing, and if it feels like it's not pertaining to you, I, I want to make sure that you don't, you're not hurt by this message, right? Or that I'm not drumming something, I'm pouring salt in the wound. I, that's, not my, that's not my reason, and, and please hear my heart on that. But um, Paul gives these mandates, and yeah, they're important for us to understand them. And, and if, you'll, if, you, if you have noticed, there's a tremendous amount, even last week, a tremendous amount of responsibility on the husband in this. If they are going to get that kind of submission and undergirding from their wives, then they must display the love of Christ to their wives. I, I, and I thought about this all week. This is, this is tough. This might be one of the toughest things that husbands or are, are, are any man would have to ever do in the word of God laid out is, is, is to show Christ-like love. Because I don't even know if it's possible. I, I found myself asking God, is this even possible to do this, to be, to be so close to, to Christ and display his kind of love as, as, our, as, as he displayed to us? How, how can that even work? How can I even do that? It seems like such an unreachable goal. He continues, Paul continues here, and I just want to jump into this, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, he says, after we just got done with all this other stuff, right, submission and the the husband has to, has to, has to uh, show Christ-like love. Then he says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. And this is the message version. I explained why I was using this last week. Normally, I don't use the message version, but when you take all this stuff back to the Greek, the message just lays it out so beautifully and so accurately, this scripture. I, I, I just had to use it. Go all out for your love, for, in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. So Paul sets the bar for husbands here, and make no mistake, the bar is really high. He says, go all out in your love for your wives, just like Christ did for his bride, the church. And I don't believe that Paul is repeating himself here because he thinks 
husbands won't love their wives. I said this last week about verse 21 and verse 22. He said, submit yourselves to one another or support one another. And then he turns right around in verse 22 and says, wives, submit to your husbands. And I don't, just like last week, I don't think he was repeating that because he didn't think wives would submit to their husbands. And here, I don't think he's saying this to husbands because, again, because he thinks that they're not going to love their wives necessarily. He's just making a point. And, and I believe that um, what he's really doing is giving us the secret sauce here. How many would like to understand women? How many, you really got a good understanding of women right now and you don't need any more understanding? Praise God, nobody raised their hand, or I was going to have to have an altar call right now for lying. Paul has given us a little bit of the, like I said last week, he's given the women the secret sauce to their man. He's given the secret sauce to men here for their, for their wives. If you want to know what that is, if you want to know how to catapult your wife into success, if you want to know how to help her become the best version of herself, then love her as Christ loved the church. And by the way, this is how you will create the environment where she can naturally submit or undergird you in your mission in life. Women need to be undergirded too. That's what it says in verse 21. That, but that's not what they need to thrive. That's what men need to thrive. They don't need to answer the question, am I good enough? That's the question for the men. The men need to answer. Women need to know and be reassured that they are lovely, that they are worth unconditional love. You put a pretty ballroom style uh, dress on any little girl, man with three daughters here. They're all very, very different. Some are even a little tomboyish. But you put that dress on them, what did they instantly do? And what does every little girl instantly do? They twirl. Why? Look how pretty I am. Aren't I lovely? Aren't I beautiful? It's like they're asking the question. They're begging the question. Am I lovely? Am I lovely? Men, you want to see your women excel? You want to see your women just be confident in who they are? Love them like in a way that, that shows them they are worth unconditional love, your unconditional love. I mean, they know they're unconditionally loved by Jesus. I hope they know that. But they know that even further when you example it for them every single day. Last week, I made the wives tell the husbands how amazing they are. You remember that? Some of you still are trying to brush your teeth and going, how do those words come out of my mouth? <laughs> I'm kidding. So let's be fair today. Husbands, I want you to turn to your wives. And if you're not married, I'm not picking on you or anything like that, but this is important. Husbands, turn to your wives. I see some of you not turning to your wives. <laughs> turn to your wives. Look right into those beautiful eyes. Right into them. Don't look away. I mean, it's a staring contest right now. I'm holding it because it's awkward, and I love that. That awkward place, right? And I want you to say, with all the conviction in your heart, men, look at her right in her eyes and say, Honey, you are absolutely, unequivocally, the most stunningly, 
beautiful woman I have ever known. You are beautiful inside and out. And you are totally worth my absolute unconditional love. Now, the reason I know how to say that is because I say that every single morning and every single night to my wife. <laughs> Don't have an altar call for me now. So. <laughs> if a woman knows that she is unconditionally loved by her husband, she would become the very best version of herself. And let me just point this out. Parents, and especially mothers of sons, be intentional about helping your boy understand that he's good enough. Likewise, parents, and especially fathers of daughters, be intentional about helping your little girls understand that she is unconditionally loved. Paul finishes this verse by describing the, the love a husband should have for his wife, a love marked by giving and not taking. I mean, I could talk about that all day long. Love that is concerned with giving rather than getting. You, 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 can, you can apply that to any area of the husband-wife relationship you want, from attention giving instead of getting, time spent, time or, or to serving. You can apply it to serving. You can apply it to the intimate part of your relationship. Any single area, if you're going to love your wife like Christ loves the church, and if you're going to go all out in your love for her, then stop any complaining about what she's not doing for you and start giving in every area of your relationship. Concentrate on giving her what she needs. See, what often happens is the husband will retreat, the wife won't submit, and then we have this war, right? The wife, and I, I'm going to change that word, submit. That's the word that's usually translated into, but the wife won't under, come underneath and support. And so you have this war going on. Why not war the other direction? Where I just, I'm going to outgive in every situation. I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give and not take. And, and the wife's going, I'm, I'm going to undergird like nobody's business. <laughs> that is so much more fun in a marriage than the other. And it's really, it really tips it in the other direction to where problems aren't the norm. Unity is the norm in the home. You want to divorce-proof your marriage, and if you've been divorced, I'm not picking on you. I'm not saying this is you, if, that you didn't do this, and that's why you're divorced. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. This is sensitive stuff, though. But I'm, I, I have to say this. If you want to divorce-proof your marriage from the time you start, one of the things you can do, women undergird your husband more than anybody else will ever undergird them. And women or men unconditionally love your wife more than anybody else ever could. It, it just does something. There's nobody that can do for me what my wife does for, for me in that undergirding. Nobody could even come close. I have down here, wouldn't, women shouldn't be like, when you love me like Jesus, I'll submit. And husbands shouldn't be like, when you submit, I'll love you, I'll love you like Jesus. That's a relationship built off self-centered demands. Husband-wife relationships must be built off giving what, other, what the other needs, not trying to take. Paul then continues with this comparison of how husbands should love their wives just as Christ loves the, his bride, the church. It's interesting to me that he just, 
He says, submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands. And then he goes for the jugular on the men. I mean, he just pounds this thing over and over and over. And here we are again. Ephesians 5, 26, 28. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words invoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. Talking about Christ in the church. And then he says, and that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor, he says. Since they're already one in marriage, I mean, they're doing themselves a favor, right? A husband's unconditional love can bring wholeness to his wife just as Christ brings wholeness to the church. And the way he speaks to his wife can invoke beauty. That means a, a husband's words and the tone he uses can literally bring his wife's, to his wife's remembrance how beautiful she is. How many have ever spoken to your wife with a tone that didn't do that? It's so important that we're in prayer every single morning and we're full of the presence of God every single day so that we can do these things, right? Because there's no way we can do these on our own. Every action, everything a husband does in reference to his wife should be done for the purpose of bringing out the best in her. This is what Christ does for the church and this should be the goal of every husband. Again, I, I say it, it's a tall order. It's impossible to fulfill, but the constant effort must be made. And with the leading of the Holy Spirit, again, you can get closer to filling, fulfilling that every single day of your life. You can get better at it. You can get better at it. And to give this a little framework this morning, here, I, I want to give you three ways in which Christ loves his bride, the church. Number one, his, and this is comparable to husbands, right? So we're, this is what we're, we're, we're talking about here. His love is, number one, unconditional. It's unconditional. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And we know these we know this verse. It's the great love chapter of the Bible, right? We use it in weddings all the time. And just, just as a side note, in context, it's not really about the husband and wife relationship, even though it can be applied to that very, very uh, uh, accurately, right? It's, it's really in context. It's in reference to how the spiritual gifts are used in the church, loving one another enough to let these gifts function. I mean, if you don't believe me, 12 talks about the gifts, 13 talks about love, 14 talks about correction of, those, of using those gifts in a wrong way. But this love chapter speaks volumes about, about what love actually is. And when applied to the marriage relationship, it, it, it absolutely yells, screams, if you will, unconditional love. We think of love as a feeling based on duty or performance a lot of times in our culture. Jesus based his love on covenant. Biblical covenants are unconditional in nature and are based on a decision made and not on a feeling felt. I want you to understand this, okay? You will not always feel, husbands, you will not always feel 
that butterfly, rainbows, and unicorns kind of love for your wife? Someone said, I never felt that, rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> You'll not always have the feeling of love every single minute, every single day. Just like women, you're not always going to want to undergird. You're not always going to want to come underneath and support. But it's a decision you make, not a feeling you feel. Love's a decision that you make, and when you decide to make that decision, when you say, I do, by the way, that's deciding to make that decision. When you say, I do, then the decision's made, and then you have to follow through with that decision, right? So you need to love like Christ loved the church. Jesus' love for his bride is absolutely unconditional. Even though we mess up and even though we will never measure up to the standard of Christ, he loves his bride anyway, and we are secure in that love when we receive him into our lives. Now understand, we are imperfect, imperfect as humans. Husbands can't love that perfectly, but this is the example we're to strive for. We choose to love our wives, again, the day we said I do, and we must love her unconditionally even though she isn't perfect. Is there any perfect women in here, by the way? None of you think you're perfect? Oh, man, we're making headway, aren't we? <laughs> I, don't, I shouldn't even ask this, but I'm just an, an, an antagonist at, at heart. So um, how many of you women are more perfect than your husbands? <laughs> how many husbands are more perfect than your wives? Uh, uh, one. <laughs> Was that, what was that guy who sang? That's what this altar is for. Remember that song? <laughs> yeah, there we go, at altar time again. We'll expect to see you up here after. No, I'm just <laughs> We're not perfect. So number one, that love, if, if the, the example love for husbands, is, it's an unconditional love. The, the other love, the, the way Christ loves the church, the other way in which Christ loves the church is he, he does it unselfishly or it's an unselfish love, right? Jesus was selfless in his love for us. He laid down his life willingly. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on the eve before his crucifixion, he sweat blood because of the intense pressure that was on him. His mind was on, was on you and me and what he was about to do for the one he loved, his bride, and not on himself. It was selfless. John 15, 12 through 13 says, this is my commandment, Jesus speaking, that you love one another as I have loved you. He's talking generally to, to, to his bride there, he says, greater love is no one than this than someone who laid down his life for his friends. Husbands, I mean, Jesus did that for us, right? He laid down his life. We know that. But husbands, this kind of unselfish love that we should be displaying to our wives, laying down our lives for them, think about what that means. That's not like, I mean, it could include this, but it's, it's not just talking about, well, if we have an intruder, man, I'll, I'll put myself between the bullet and you. Most men will say they'll do that, and they probably would if there's time to do that. But that's not really what he's talking about here is, is giving your life up for another. He, he's saying laying your life down. What does that mean? That means you are laying your own dreams, your own desires, your own wants, your own stuff. You're laying that down so you can be there for her. That's heavy. Well, I don't think that's what it means. Well, that's what Christ does for you. And he says, this is the kind of love you have to have for your wife, husbands. 
It's comparative. And no matter how you slice or dice it, it is a heavy responsibility. It's heavy. Putting aside those things that we often desire to do and being there for them. I mean, can I pick on anybody here today without saying names? Maybe you just love hunting and you hunt all the time, right? And maybe you just hunt during hunting season. Maybe your wife is like, you know, I really like it when you hunt because then I get some time to myself. That's cool. It's communicated, great. But if you're always hunting, 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 or, or doing something like that that you love to do, and your wife's stuck home with the kids or with the cleaning of the house or with handling things at home, but you're off hunting, 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 and then she's like, could you just be home a little more often? You're like, hey, I, I, I bring home the paychecks, so, you know, I can hunt if I want. You just take care of the house, you know. I, I know we, nobody says anything like that, but they think it. Or maybe it's golf. Maybe it's golf. Somebody's laughing. You can say amen or oh me, one of the, one of the two. Right? <laughs> When's the last time you said no to something you really love to do to serve your wife when you knew she needed you to serve her? To love her, to show that, you know what, golf is important, I love it, but it's not important, it's not as important to me as you are and you need me right now, I can tell, and I'm gonna serve you, I'm gonna be with you right now. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? That's where, that's where your unconditional love is just not spoken, it's proven. That, that, you know, it's like the old farmer who, who was married to his wife for like 50 years and she said, uh, you know, I wish you would say you love me more often and he said, well, I said it once the day we got married, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know? That, that, that's not how it works, right? It's not how it works. We've got to show, we've got to display that all the time. There, there's an intentionality. There, there, you've got to be intentional with it, right? That, that's, that's how you show it. So it's, it's an unconditional love if we're going to compare it like, like Paul does with the, with the love Christ has for the church. It's unconditional. It's unselfish. And you know, number three, it's undeserved. It's undeserved. As the bride of Christ, we have never deserved and we could never earn the unconditional and unselfish love that he loves us with. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He didn't wait for us to, to somehow become holy enough before we could approach him. He said, come to me with all of your sin, with all of your shame, with all of your junk, because I love you and I will give you rest. I'll give you life and life to the fullest. I'll give you abundant life. Come in and be with me. And I think the same kind of love Paul, Paul is talking about the same kind of love needs to be displayed from husbands to wives. You may not deserve it. Who really deserves unconditional love? Nobody, really, when it comes right down to it. But guess what? You get it from Jesus. We all get it from Jesus. How wonderful is that? But wives, you get to get it from your husbands. At least you're supposed to be getting that from your husbands. Undeserved. Undeserved. How does that look? How does that play out? How many men have ever come home 
and uh, wife's not happy. You know, we know, that, we know the phrase, happy wife, happy life, right? Maybe there's good reason for it. Maybe you're the reason for it. <laughs> or maybe it was just a bad day. Maybe it's just an emotional day. Maybe it was something that, that hit them hard that day and they, they're just having trouble dealing with it. And you, you, you come in the door, and, and this is, I think, happens all the time. We come in um, because we've worked all day, right? Not that the wife hasn't. I mean, she's worked either at her job, and, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I got lots of time today, so I'm just going to say this. If your wife isn't a homemaker, if, if she's, like, like, not working full-time, taking care of the kids, you might get away with doing a little bit of housework and, and she does the rest because that's kind of her thing and she's making the home. But if she works, I've seen this so many times, if she works and you work, don't come home and then expect her to do all the housework and the laundry and the dishes and the cooking and all that too. You better jump in and help. I mean, you should jump in and help anyway. But if she's working as much as you, you need to help too. I mean, it's 50-50 at that point, right? It might be 80-20. I don't know. You got to figure that out what works best for you. I don't do laundry at my house. I never do because I fold everything wrong, so, you know. <laughs> but I do other stuff. I cook more than a lot of husbands do. So we, 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 we figured it out. You find ways to figure it out and what works best for you. But that takes communication. You've got to talk about it. You've got you to find that sweet spot. But if you come home, husbands, and, and, and your radar should be up. Like, what are things like at my house? What are th what's the atmosphere like in, in my home? And you should be ready. I mean, if you're driving home, instead of just uh, decompressing from work, which we all need to do, maybe pray a little bit. That's a good decompression tool, by the way. Pray a little bit and just be ready because when you walk into that home, you might have kids jumping on you. You might have, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need this. And you feel like you have nothing left to give, and so then you just get crabby. It's in those moments that you got to man up, Nancy. Right? You got to man up. And I come home, and, hey, I'm busy, I'm, I'm tired, I worked all day. Almost sounded Cajun there for a minute. Yeah. I love Cajun people. They make great food. We come home, we're cranky, and we're... Man, that's the moment, husbands... You got to be dad, you got to be husband, you got to be the encourager, you got to come in there with the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ to love your wife unconditionally. Amen. Not crab out for and make everybody's life miserable for the next how long. Is that speaking to anybody this morning? But if your radar's up and you're looking okay and you notice your wife's having a tough day, what do you do? Are you waiting for it? Are you looking to get as a husband? And, and I mean, my wife needs to greet me at the door, kiss me, and tell me how great I am, right? Because I have to know I'm good enough. Or is it, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to love everybody with all of my energy. And by the way, save some when you're at work. Save some energy for your family. Don't put it all out there at work. Work is important. It ain't that important. Right? It's not as important as your family. So hold some back for them. 
All right. Where am I even at now? She doesn't have to deserve it. So it's, it's unconditional love. It's unselfish love and it's undeserved love. In those moments where she's not her best, you need to be your best. And vice versa is true as well. Paul finishes verse 28 by saying, Husbands, loving your wives like this is really doing yourself a favor. If you are one with her, why on earth would you want to deprive her of the very thing that will bring out the best in her? It's to your benefit, men, to be that way. That you should make every effort to love her like that. Ephesians 5, 29, 33. He goes on. He says, no one abuses his own body, does he? He feeds it, pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And, and, and this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge ministry, or, uh, ministry mis mystery. And I don't pretend to understand it all, he says. I don't get all this. It's, 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 it's so vast and deep and wide, and I, I, I can't even get it all. But what's clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her. If they're one, why would he treat her any other way? And then he says, and each wife is to honor her husband. I think it's really interesting in this whole bit here it never says that wives have to love their husbands. It just says they have to undergird them. Now, I think it's assumed they should love their husbands. But that's not the command there. But it is for husbands to love their wives. Wives come underneath and hold up their husband in support of who they are and, and all that they are becoming in Christ, undergirding them. And husbands, wow, you have a huge job, a responsibility that is so big you'll never fulfill it perfectly. You must love your wives like Christ loved the church, unconditionally, unselfishly, undeservedly even. And this whole book of Ephesians is challenging, and as we've looked at the message of unity woven throughout it, it challenges us to be unified, I think, so many different times. First, to be unified personally with Christ, plugged into the life source of who he is, for our lives to line up with his very character, his nature, his word. And then we got into, uh, in this series, being unified with one another, oneness with each other through agreement, agreeing to live according to the word of God, letting it be our standard and encouraging one another in its application. Even recognizing the importance of the fivefold spiritual uh, leadership gifts that he gave the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, so that we could be unified as the body of Christ. And now unity in the family, starting with husbands and wives. Paul said it would be better to be single if you could live that way. Maybe that's because striving for this kind of oneness in a marriage, it's a lot of work. It takes effort from both the husband and the wife. It isn't easy. And next week, we're going to get into kids in the family. Paul didn't leave them out of this unity discussion. But before we go, I, I think it would be great. And, and I, I don't want to be weird about this at all. <laughs> I say things like that, and everybody's like, oh... And again, please understand my heart. If, if your husband or wife has passed away, if there's been a divorce or separation, or if you're going through something hard, hard some kind of hardship, I am not here to shame you in any way. But what I want to do 
is make sure that we have the strongest marriages that we can have in this church. And for young people coming up, they need to know this stuff, right? They need to know this before they ever walk onto that platform and, and say, I do in front of God and, and everybody else. But I want to do something a little different, something a little out of the ordinary for us. But I would like couples, married couples, if you would stand together. And if you're not with your spouse, maybe you could find them quick. Or if they're serving in children's church. No, they're not sitting apart on the other side because they're mad. I'm not saying that. But maybe children's church or something like that. I know you, you might just have to stand up and say, I'm married and, and my husband or my wife's here with me. But there's a lot of married couples here, isn't there? And I, what I'd like to do is pray for your marriage. And like all the rest of us, because all the rest of us, wave at me if you're the rest of us, we believe in marriage, don't we? We believe in it. No matter what we're going through, we believe in marriage. We're not women haters or men haters or anything like that. And we're not so caught up in our grief of losing a spouse that we don't want to be here and support those who are married and their spouse is still with them. So let's reach out our hands, all the rest of you. Reach out your hands towards the nearest couple, maybe that's by you, and, and let's pray together over marriages today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this institution called marriage, this centerpiece, if you will, of the family. God, and I pray right now that you would help wives to undergird and come underneath and support submitting to their husbands, Lord Jesus, in who they are as men, hupatasoing, if you will, to, to help them become everything they can be because we know that men need that kind of support, that we have very fragile egos and we need that good woman telling us, you can do it. I believe in you. You're awesome. You're amazing. And God, I pray at the, at the same time that's going on, I pray for these husbands, that you would give them an ability like never before to display Christ-like love to their wives every day, every hour. Lord, I know we're not going to be perfect in this. I know we're going to mess up. But Lord Jesus, I pray you would give us an ability to be Christ-like in our love for them. That it would be a love, Lord, that, 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 that is, is even if it's undeserved, that we would give it. In, in unselfish love. In unselfish love. God, I pray that you would help us love our wives even through those things that are difficult. Even through, God, those situations and circumstances that make it hard. Lord, I pray that that love would be, again, unconditional. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen marriages in this church like never before. Help us communicate better. Help us share our, our hearts. Help us know, God, that, that uh, vulnerability can produce intimacy. And there has to be some level of vulnerability to even have intimacy. Lord, help us outdo one another in serving each other in these areas. Help marriages become the bedrock again of this nation, of the family. Lord, with you at the center of the husband and wife, God, I pray our vertical relationships would be right so that our horizontal relationships could be right. And God, I thank you once again that you gave us marriage. 
as a gift to help us, not only in this life, but to help us understand the love that you have for us. We give this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.